Welcome to Clocking In, Forces of NC Manufacturing. I'm your host, Phil Mintz, Director of the North Carolina Manufacturing Extension Partnership, otherwise known as NCMEP. My role is to drive outreach to NC manufacturers, build relationships to federal and state leaders, and coordinate efforts to drive profitable manufacturing growth in North Carolina. Throughout my time working closely with manufacturers, I have heard the most quirky, curious, and memorable stories. I wanted to turn these stories into a podcast so that others may hear and be informed and inspired. From humble beginnings to manufacturing titans, from tragedy to triumph, I will be interviewing some of these manufacturers who have made North Carolina manufacturing the powerhouse that it is today. It is written that the U.S. will spend nearly $100 billion on their pets this year, with over 100 million households in the U.S. owning either a dog or a cat. With a great deal of pet products manufacturing happening outside the U.S., you'll be glad to hear that we have some happening just a few minutes southeast of Charlotte in the suburban town of Indian Trail, just inside Union County. Today we're clocking in with a voice of North Carolina manufacturing who can share another example of where a great idea, a small investment, and a drive for success has turned into a thriving business that caters to man's best friend. Founded in 2003 by President Alicia Navarro, Two Hounds Designs has grown into a respected brand within the dog accessories industry. We're pleased to have Alicia join us today to talk to us about her business and the opportunities it brings to the area. Well, Alicia, thank you for taking time to speak with us. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. I think the name Two Hounds Designs gives the listeners a tiny bit of indication of what's going on here. Can you talk about the products you make for the pet industry? Yes. So we're best known for the Freedom No Pull Harness, which is a patented harness that helps People train their dogs to walk better on the leash. We also are really well known for making very high-end dog collars. We design our own ribbons. We use a lot of high-end fabrics, uh, silk brocades, and we've even used a scalamandre silk or two to make dog collars, which is a very, very high-end silk fabric. Uh, do you, Is it just collars or other things? For the fabrics, we only make those out of collars. The harnesses, we have 19 colors plus six sublimated colors and two reflectives. So we have a pretty big selection. Wow. So how did it happen that you start making such a successful product? Was owning a business on your mind when you attended college? It really wasn't. I have a master's in physics, so my original plan was to go into electronics engineering. I did a lot of programming. Um, I built a lot of, of uh, machines to help in, in production environments. And so that was that's my education. And about a year out of college, I realized that the real world wasn't like college. And one of the things that I loved about during my years in school was always having something different to work on, being able to bounce around on different projects or you know, helping, helping my professors or helping with whatever needed to be helped with. And I, I think once I got out into the real world and got stuck looking at the same four walls all day, I realized that it wasn't really what I thought it was going to be. And so originally, Two Hounds Design was going to be kind of a side hustle to get me through. I had quit my job and my goal was to keep paying the bills until I found something else. So uh, 16 years later, and I still haven't found anything else. <laughs> so. Yeah. so how did it get started? I mean, did you just... Well, we made a few collars for my dogs. We had two hounds at the time, which is where the name came oh. from. Yes. <laughs> 
So we had two retired racing greyhounds at the time. And so I made a few collars for them and people really liked them and wanted collars for their dogs. And so we made a few more and then made a few more and made a few more and just kept reinvesting the money from selling the few collars that we were making. And, and we bootstrapped all the way to where we are now. So was it a garage or a basement or what, what, what was the, the first shop that you actually made? So it was in my house. We lived in a tiny little 1,100 square foot house and uh, two bed. by the time we moved out of that house, two bedrooms plus the kitchen were business. Wow. So there's a lot of fancy sewing involved in these products you make. Where did your love of sewing come from? Has it always been a hobby or of yours? I would say it's it's always been a hobby. My my grandma, um, I grew up on a farm and we did a lot of embroidery, hand embroidery work. And so I, I started sewing by hand at a really young age. And honestly, I've just never been afraid to try something. So if I saw a sewing machine and I wanted to try it out, I, I just sit down and try it out. Wow. So I suspect with the ever-increasing demands of an owner, you don't have much time to get in front of a sewing machine anymore, no? I don't. Um, you know, it's funny because I still like to get out on the line and everybody will, will try to keep me off the, the line. But I, I absolutely love to sew. And you know, some of my some of my favorite times in building this business are actually, you know, sitting down at the sewing machine and sewing because we were so far behind. And so I would jump in and get us caught up and I would sit and listen to audiobooks. And I really enjoyed that time. And you're, you're right. I, I just can't I can't get out on the floor and sew anymore like I used to. Yeah. So, Alicia, there's a great line from an old movie that says something like, if you build it, they will come. How did you get the word out about your business when it first started, and how did you build on that momentum? So we started in 2003, which the Internet was still really young then, and search engine optimization was a term that not many people had ever heard of, let alone did with their websites. And so, you know, part of my background, I'm big in research, I'm big in understanding everything. And so I realized, hey, I can I can get to the top of Google, you know, with these few steps. And so we did a lot of search engine optimization. We participated in a lot of communities and we we ran charity auctions for animal adoption groups. You know, a lot of what we did was grassroots in terms of our our customers supported us and they were probably our biggest advocates and and honestly still are. We still get a lot of, of business from word of mouth. So just building that community around the company and trying to do the right thing, trying to help animals in need, I think that goodwill has kind of propelled us. So have trends in dog collars changed since you first got started? What made you think that customers were looking for something special? They absolutely have changed. So when I first started, the typical dog collar was made out of nylon webbing, and you probably had four or five colors to choose from. And the ribbon-type collars, the fancier-type collars, they existed, but not, you know, the ribbons were kind of dull, and they weren't exciting. And so when I started making collars, I started looking everywhere for something that I had never seen before. And so that's how we got into a lot of the higher-end fabrics. We've used Laotian scarves to make collars because they're hand-woven, they're really beautiful, they, they've got, you know, so much pattern and color and everything in them. And so, I mean, I've taken dresses apart to make dog collars out of them, just because I loved the way that the fabric looked. So I would say in 2003, the, the collars were, what, what was on the market was, was not very trendy, 
you know, the, the dog market wasn't paying attention to, you know, donuts were just a big trend in clothing and children's accessories or cupcakes a couple years ago were, were a really big trend. And I would say that the pet industry really wasn't paying a ton of attention to those trends. And so when, when we started using fabrics that played, played into those trends, that was a lot of what got us attention because people, people want things that represent their personality or that represents their dog's personality. And I, I think that the pet industry is a lot more personalized now in 2020 than it was in 2003. I think there's, there's really something for every person's style now. That's amazing. So since you're now full-fledged manufacturing operations, what are some of the most important changes you've made since you've started? Standard operating procedures. <laughs> <laughs> so when we started, I, you know, I didn't come from a manufacturing background. I came from a background of designing systems, but I never had to actually produce those systems. So I would design them and then we would hand the design off to an actual manufacturer and they would they would go through all of the work to get it into production and make it something that they can um, they could produce on a, a larger scale. So I really had to learn as I went. And you know in the beginning, I, I can't say that we, we, we were custom, we were so custom that we we just filled orders as they came in and we didn't really know what we were doing. It took a lot of research to get where we are today. So when you talk about sewing, it's not something that's generally thought in a modern manufacturing sense, but you've adopted some best practices in the industry, haven't you? We have. Uh, over the years, as we've learned more um, about production and about how to do things more efficiently, we, we learned, well, I learned about lean manufacturing in 2016, which I guess I was a little bit late to the game. The idea behind it is continuous improvement, small incremental improvements. And so we're always looking for a way to make something better than it was yesterday. We went from shipping orders in about a four to five week time period to being able to ship orders typically in one to three days is our normal turnaround time, depending on the size of the order. And, and that's been really because of the changes we made with lean manufacturing. And we also did training within industry, the TWI training, which helped us train our employees a lot faster. Yeah, so uh, I think in a minute we may go out and see some of your employees and talk to them about that. What, what kind of changes have you seen since the TWI training in your employees? The biggest change that we saw is how fast we can get someone trained and working on an actual production line. So we have balanced production lines on our floor uh, that we use to make the harnesses and collars. And each each production line has, well, the harnesses have seven people on them. And so it used to take us a few days to train someone and get them ready to actually work and make real product. And with the TWI training, we're able to take someone off the street and have them actually working on our production lines within about six hours. That's amazing. You're starting to get noticed a bit out here. I've seen that where one of your products was listed as top products of 2019. What, what, what product was that? That was the new Reflective Freedom No Pull Harness. Um, we actually won several awards in 2019. Uh, the Reflective Freedom Harness was was a real big hit last year, and we, we've got a new product that we launched at Global Pet Expo that we're expecting to, to take the prizes for 2020. It's a sublimated webbing made um, from recycled plastic bottles. So it's it's a really cool product, and it's also you know made from recycled products. You're also getting recognized for some of your leadership. I see that you were named Woman of the Year uh, in the Pet Industry Network. How do you feel about that? That was a that was a huge honor. 
in the women in the pet industry, you know, women are underrepresented in manufacturing, especially. They're also underrepresented in the pet industry. So if you go to a typical trade show, the women there are are really, you know, they're just go-getters. They're really great people. And to be honored among such a great group of people, I mean, it, it was it was very flattering. Yeah. There's always a great story about uh, the early days of a business. And, and uh, I think you and Jane talked about some things that happened as you were going to get going. So we want to talk to Jane right now. Yeah. So Jane has been with us since 2007. Um, she started working here back when we actually, uh, we worked out of the house. We weren't even in a manufacturing facility yet. So Jane had a key to my house and she would let herself in every morning and, and start work a lot of times before I even got out of bed. So... <laughs> Um, so this is Jane. Yeah. Talk about some interesting times that you and Alicia had as you were getting going with the two hounds. So probably one of the most interesting things was the first day that I came to work with Alicia and she was training me and um, she said, here, I'm going to show you how I do it. And at that time I was cutting fabrics and putting things together for collars to be sewn. So she sits down on the floor with all these linings and collar tops surrounding her, and she said, okay, and then she pulls the paper and she starts putting collars together. And after about five minutes, I looked at her and I said, I think I'm gonna need a table. <laughs> yeah. So as, as, you, as things developed and there was more collars and more styles, I mean, did you get into it a little bit more? Or? Oh yeah, I I really loved it. It it was good for me. I like organization. I recognize patterns. I loved working with the fabrics. I also enjoy. I've learned how to put colors together differently. I learned a lot about making contrast instead of making things match, and that's that's been you know exciting for me uh, to learn that kind of thing. So now, like Alicia, seems like you're more involved in organizing things here rather than making the product. Is mm-hmm. right? what, what, what do you do now? Yes, well now I'm actually the office manager and the human resource manager here at Two Hounds Design. So I have done almost every job at some point or another in the company. I've entered orders, I've answered the phones, I still do a little bit of answering the phones, I've done a lot of customer service. I actually did some sewing when we were shorthanded and very behind. I learned how to run the X-stitch machine and did some sewing of some hardware into harnesses. All right, well that's great. Well, we're excited about the business and it seems like you are too. Oh yeah, I love it. I get excited when I tell people about it. I get, you know, it's great to share that. So how many people are working here now? So we've got 42 people on our roll right now. Uh And, uh, I mean, is it still growing? Are you still looking to hire? Or how easy is it to get somebody that can do this work? It's actually pretty easy to teach people. Juan Carlos, the plant manager, can probably tell you more about that. But they do have a process that they use that, they put in place really with the TWI training to teach people and they can get them trained very quickly and running a machine in a short amount of time and he can give you all the details about that. So you don't have the problems with the Union County Labor Force as, as other people have when you're needing Not somebody? too bad. We actually get a good word of mouth from the employees that are here. We've hired a number of people that 
new people, you know, after they came to work here. Um, we use the internet some. Um, we've done some temporary also services when um, we needed to get people quickly. So, yeah. Well, that's great. Uh, tell me about your facility out here and what, what you've bought and set up and how big it is and all of that. I am crazy proud of this facility. This is the first building that we bought our, that we actually built ourselves. Our two, we've outgrown two facilities plus our house prior to this. And so this is a building that we custom designed and built. We have a ton of natural light in the building. We used wall lights to get the natural light. It helps with employee morale and it also helps when you're color matching, especially with the collars and everything. It's good to have really good lighting in a warehouse. It's also temperature controlled so we, we have both heat and air we take really good care of our employees or we at least try to so you know I'm, I'm just so proud of this building and and I don't think I've ever been so excited about yeah. a thing in my life <laughs> how long is a work day here we work Monday through Thursday 7 a.m. until 4 30 and most of the time on Fridays we leave at 11 o'clock unless we need to work overtime and then on Fridays we'll stay until 3 30. So um, we do that so that we're able to give employees you know that little bit of extra time on the weekend especially in the summer it's really nice for them and then that also allows them to make their their appointments or anything that they would need to leave work early for on Fridays so that's it's also a help for them there so they don't have to miss work for that. Yeah. Sounds great. So I know you've gone through some TWI training, and do you have any kind of anybody you, we can talk to about that? Um, so the TWI training was something that Juan Carlos really highly recommended when he uh, came to work here. He, he was a big fan of using that method to train employees. And it was something that was on our radar for a while, but it really wasn't economically feasible for us to do that training with the employees. It's, it's pretty expensive to have a trainer come out. And I think it, I think it was a total of 10 days of training, or it might have been a little bit more than that. And so the TWI training was actually made possible through the NCMEP being able to get the grant with them and and do that training with our employees. So who took the training? Are we going to talk to somebody? We're going to talk to Sandy. Hey, Sandy. All right. Well, tell me a bit about what you do. What, what is your job that you do right now? Well, right now um, I'm the lead for shipping, and right now all I do is process because, you know, we're a little bit short-staffed. But I do try to help the girls with packing if they have any problems, if they have any questions, if we need anything for shipping. I make sure everything gets done, everything gets packed properly, and, every, and the customers get their order correctly. Okay. So how do you feel about the training that you took? Was, was it exciting? Is it something It was you... exciting. Uh, I'm glad I was one of them that they chose. Um, I did learn a lot. Uh, and it was a good experience and I hope we get to have more classes and learn more because there's always more to learn okay um, but yeah I loved it all it right well thank you thank you so Sandy's pretty modest she didn't tell you about the jibs that she wrote she didn't tell you about being able to train employees there's a there's a lot that she didn't tell you about and the fact that we identified her talent through that TWI training that we were able to see her shine through the training that she received and that's actually how she was able to become a leader here in the company. You know, I, I'm not going to tell my age, but I just remember a long time ago, my mother had a Singer sewing machine. And so I see that name on one of these here. I mean, how has sewing machines advanced over time? Do you 
Do you have any indication they of that? They have, you know, there's a sewing machine that will do anything. There are sewing machines that can sew almost any pattern, even even patterns that you can program into them. And we have some of the programmable sewing machines um, that we can actually put a pattern in the machine and it'll sew whatever we tell it to sew. The machines that I prefer to use are, um, they're, these, like you said, they're Singer uh, bodies. They're really old um, machine bodies that are retrofitted with a cam and additional equipment that moves the... Um, moves the foot in such a way that it, it sews an X stitch with a box around it. And so that's all done using a cam and you can see the arms on the machines over there. When the machine starts moving, you can see the arms moving around and it, that's actually what causes it to sew that X pattern. Yeah, I was always fascinated by the sewing machines, but it was a whole lot to it. It seems like my mom had to take like 15 minutes of setting up to get like one little line of sewing done. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's definitely a lot different now. These machines are ready to go. You put a bobbin in them, you thread them, and put the material under there, and it's, it's ready to sew. So, so Alicia, I, in my intro, I talked about how much of our pet products are imported. Do you see that changing any, and what are these direction do you see, you know, manufacturing of pet supplies going globally? You know, that's, it's a really hard question to answer. I do see more manufacturing in the United States than there used to be um, in the pet industry specifically. Uh, when I started, I would say that almost every product in a big box store was made overseas, and that's not as true now. I would still say that most products that you see in the larger stores are made overseas. But there are independent retailers now that focus 100% on products that are made in the USA. And they specifically seek those products out and they don't sell products that are made overseas. And we've had some scares recently with dog food and dog treats. And I think that brought manufacturing back here in the United States. And then you know, who knows what's going to happen with the supply chain right now uh, with everything that's going on. I, I can definitely see that pulling more manufacturing back to the United States as well. Well, that's certainly some good news. And again, I know that the area is proud to have two house designs right here nearby. And I'm sure you get a lot of business just by putting a made in the USA on your label. Do we you? do. We advertise that everywhere that we're made in the USA. We're really, first of all, I'm just really proud. I'm really proud of, of what we've built and the, the leadership that we we have here in the company. I'm really excited. You know, North Carolina was has always been a textile area, and when all of those jobs went overseas, uh, it, it, you know, it really affected the the state as a whole. And so, I'm excited to bring some of that back. I'm excited to be helping people feed their families. I, I, I just I love what I do, and I'm here every day because I love what I do. That's great. So, are you just a dog company, or will you have things for cats? You know. We've definitely explored things for cats. We haven't really saturated the market yet in what we can do in the dog space. So I can't say that cats are coming anytime soon, um, but I won't rule anything out. <laughs> well, that's great. Well, Alicia, thank you so much for having us over and, and continued success with Two Hounds Designs. We're, we're pleased at what you're doing here, and we're happy to support it in whatever way you think we can. Oh, thank you so much. We've, we've loved working with you guys and appreciate all the help that we've gotten. Thank you. Thank you for joining today's Clocking In, Voices of NC Manufacturing. This podcast is brought to you by NC State's College of Engineering, the North Carolina Manufacturing Extension Partnership, and Industry Expansion Solutions. If you'd like to learn more about the solutions NCMEP offers, go to www.ncmep.org. Want to listen to previous Clocking In podcasts? 
go to ncmep.org slash clocking in.